Hello and welcome back to Honest to Dog. I'm your host, Liz Foley, owner and head dog behaviorist at the dog house. With me today, I have Jeff and Tim. And for those of you who don't know Tim, Tim is also the producer of Honest to Dog. So he's actually with us every episode, but he might, he's on the mic this he's time. He's on the mic this time. Yeah. yeah, I've got some experiences. Coming out of the shadows. <laughs> Why we invited Tim today to join on this is because he has adopted a dog. Yep. And today we're talking about adoption. Excellent. I think it's a really important topic. And I know adoption is very near and dear to both of our hearts, but particularly close to your heart, Liz. So I'm really glad that we're talking about this today. Me too. So I think a really good place to start maybe is just kind of unpacking that a little bit. Like, why do you believe so strongly in adoption? I mean, I hear you use the phrase adopt, don't shop all the time. So so talk a little bit about why adoption you feel is so special and important. In today's world, dogs are very much overpopulated. Finding dogs' homes that don't have them, that are in shelters or with rescue organizations, is super important because they're all deserving of loving homes. The more we turn to breeders for puppies, it's just going to com- compound this this overpopulation problem over and over and over again. And this kind of fascination and obsession with newness, right? A puppy is new. Um, I want a puppy. I want a dog from scratch to mold and make into my own. Is just is just feeding the beast, really. And then a lot of the times, people aren't ready for a puppy. Puppies are a lot of work. Um, and so once it grows out of puppyhood, it might not be cute anymore. And then that's another dog that ends up in a rescue or a shelter. I'm a huge fan of adoption because you can actually be very selective on the dog you're taking into your home you can you can adopt a golden retriever like you can still get a a purebred anything really they're there so it it doesn't have to be a puppy to get a breed specific Um, and then the argument too about having really really good health mutts are actually extremely more healthy than purebred anything and just going the route of a a breeder isn't going to guarantee everything we can talk about today the all the benefits of adoption, misconceptions, criteria for looking for a, a pet to adopt in today's podcast. I'm really excited about it. I think we're trying to we're trying to reshape some perceptions here and maybe get some people I like it. on the other side of the fence. I have a question for Tim. Because you went the route of adoption, why did you choose that? Like did you have any worries or concerns adopting over buying new? Yeah, um, my previous dog was a boxer and we got her in a previous relationship um, from a puppy, which I found extremely difficult to <laughs> to work a full-time job, know nothing about training. I knew nothing that I know now and take this dog from a puppy to a full-grown dog. Um, granted th- those dogs are full of beans, like energy, yeah, did you know oh, you were, what you were signing up? No idea. Okay. <laughs> no idea at all. No, no, it was it was completely outside of my understanding. But I knew this time around, I w- we wanted a dog, or I wanted a dog specifically, that was older, kind of had it, it, it was broken in a bit, not, <laughs> it sounds like it's in a glove, but it's not. Yeah. Um, it was more so established as who it was, and, and not something I had to, in particular, um, uh, potty train. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted right. something that kind of understood who it was. Um, I wanted to also just... I didn't want to be part of the problem. I knew that overpopulation of dogs was a thing. I wanted to take something that needed a loving home um, as opposed to a shelter. So 
that was kind of our purpose and our goal in adopting. Did you have any, I, mean, I think those are very, very admirable things. Thank and, you. and did you have any concerns on the flip side? I mean, uh, I think all of those are really good reasons for adoption, but were, were there any things that were maybe holding you back that you had to confront and overcome in really solidifying that decision to adopt? Well, obviously there's the, there's a misconception that I know now um, that maybe they might be violent, they might be antisocial, they might have um, tendencies that aren't conducive to most most people. Like maybe they're not good with kids, but we don't have kids, so it's not really an issue. So we were we were kind of open to whatever we got. Also, we understood that the vetting process for a dog, um, no pun intended, um, would have been more so up to us. So we could have we could assess the dog, meet the dog, make sure it's a good fit for us as well as for them. Now, uh, let me put that question to Liz, because I'm sure you hear that all the time when you talk to families about adoption versus working with a breeder, you probably hear people say, well, I don't want to inherit somebody else's problems. What's your response to that? Not all dogs that are up for adoption in the rescue world have problems. That's kind of very discriminatory, if I'm being honest. Um, because if you think about it, there can be a multi- multitude of reasons that someone is looking to rehome their dog. It's not always related to problem behaviors. So they may have lost their job, can't afford vet bills or food for their dog, things like that. Someone may have passed away and it's a completely well-trained, well-mannered companion pet that just situationally has now been put out of home. So it's not necessarily the case that they're going to have issues. Like I said before, you can be picky and choosy with breed, temperament, behaviors that you're willing to work on versus those you are not. Um, And being upfront with an organization from the start, um, because they're going to want to work with someone who wants to adopt and they're going to try to fit those needs for you. Um, So when I heard that Tim and Kelly were looking for an adoption dog, I was more than happy to jump on and kind of be their liaison through navigating this world and offer them feedback. And like, I think that this dog has a couple red flags. Maybe this isn't the one. I think that this dog is totally a dog you should meet and get a feel for. And I, I told you criteria of oh, what yeah. to look for. Yeah, yeah. We talked on the phone many times. Many times I was at Walmart or somewhere else. I'm like, I'm going to call Liz and have this. Just, <laughs> just pick her brain. I you weren't at Walmart busy. looking for the dog. <laughs> no, just no, 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 no. They don't sell those there. Yeah. Um, no, and it, it just so happened that the one dog or one of the first dogs that Liz directed to us via um, one of the many adoption agencies that she linked to through Facebook or Instagram um, was the dog we chose, Jose. Yep. So we met him. And then we kind of assessed him and we took it in. And then I called Liz a bunch of times, asked her all the questions I need to know. She directed me towards the blog, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just kind of went from there. And we did training from the start yes. pretty much, which then helped to mitigate any problems from happening after the fact. That's right. Because this is the thing, is when you get a brand new puppy or adopt an older dog, there's this really crucial time in the beginning where they're figuring out who you are, what you represent, what are your rules, what are your habits, what do you tolerate, what do you like are you, are you submissive, are you dominant, are you happy go lucky? And so if you're not laying down really really clear rules, boundaries, limitations during that time, problem behaviors can occur because of you and your relationship to the dog. It's again, problem dog can happen from a puppy. 
it doesn't have to mean that you got a rescue. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about what characteristics to look for in an adoption agency or a rescue. But before we do, let's just close off on that topic of misconceptions. Are there any other common misconceptions you know, that need debunking that you hear about adoption versus getting a purebred or from a breeder? Like I had mentioned before, health is one. People want a guarantee that the dog is going to be healthy. And so if they can have the lines proven through grandfathers and grandmothers of purebred this and purebred that, my my rebuttal against that is absolutely nothing in this life is guaranteed. And genetics, we can try to play God all we want, but you can't control certain things. The practices sometimes that go into trying to maintain these lineages, um, like what's the, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, for example? That ridge in their back is actually a deformity. And so breeders are knowingly breeding disability or something that's not supposed to be there mm-hmm. as breed criteria and making it a standard. Um, so who knows what else they're compromising with that. Um, Bulldogs. Bulldogs are incredibly popular and they have health problems up the wazoo. Just ask Claire. She has one and she's been thousands of dollars in vet visits. Bulldogs, I think, are the only dog that can't give birth naturally. They have to have a C-section. And that's because of what breeding has done to that dog over time to exaggerate certain features. And it has been to compromise health. And so in alignment with like my beliefs and how we run the dog house and how dogs are the focus. What's good for the dog has to be of the utmost importance. I don't think breeders are necessarily doing that. And so I do think that mutts are healthier. Mm-hmm. Mutts can live long. And if you are feeding them good food and getting them the regular vet visits and care that they need, that they'll live a very long, happy life. Yeah. And the flip side of, for me too, is behavior right what behaviors are you going to get from breeding and breeding and breeding such similar lines what 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 compromises that too so temperament wise too a lot of mutts are really well-rounded because they're not german shepherd german shepherd they might not be like a working breed underlying there they might be a mix of a working breed a companion breed and a sporting breed mm. and then you have a happy-go-lucky dog right. you don't have right. an a-type personality who's like work 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 right so i'm kind of sidetracking with breeds but health temperament um behavior problems these are all misconceptions that we have about rescues maybe one final point on making the case for for rescues and, and i know that part of the dog behavior mentality is not to humanize dogs or give dogs human emotions, but something that that I truly believe, and I'm, I'm interested to get Tim's feedback on this, you know, we've adopted three times now, once from Mexico, once from Thailand, once from California, and I believe that adopted dogs kind of know that they have a second lease on life, right? And And I think what I see in our dogs is more gratitude or appreciation or being given that chance or like kind of trusting them. They're giving back to us. 
Do you agree with that? Yes. And I have heard that again. Yeah, I might be being biased, but I think a lot of people who have adopted or rescued um, would say the same thing. There is this, I think they, I think they've seen a lot of things Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and experienced a lot in a young life. And I do think that there's gratitude there. Um, There's a, a deep, sincere, love yeah. for an appreciation for yeah a second chance do you pick up those vibes from uh, senior jose absolutely yeah. yeah we we discuss almost nightly like how lucky we were to get him oh you and jose discussed that or, uh, jose, <laughs> kelly, or you and your partner <laughs> well jose might be saying it. i'm not sure i don't know his big dog but he uh no kelly and i discussed that on like every night we're like how lucky are we to have this this dude and i'm not sure if that's putting putting that expectation on him to be grateful back but we we feel that we feel that connection through slow blinks through like (laughs) just that affection that we have for each other yeah Yeah, i definitely feel lucky and i think i think you're right i think he definitely has that second lease on life yeah feeling i certainly felt that with carmen like you know from day one um we we were both very you you in particular are very bonded to carmen but you know i always felt like she knew she got a better life with us than she ever would have had Yep, I get that. And I mean, of all our rescues, Carmen, we know, lived on the street. We know that Carmen was hit by a car. Like, we know she didn't know where her next meal was coming from. Yeah. So she did live a pretty sad life. She didn't know any better. And that's the beautiful thing about dogs is they live in the moment, right? She never experienced self-pity. But you know, when she arrived in Canada and had food regularly and got walks and received love and had just a warm place to sleep at night that she was just, she was blessed. She knew it. So I think, you know, this is probably a good, a good point at which to turn the page to the next topic, um, leaving on, you know, final note, and this is not meant in any way to have our listeners, um, you know, feel manipulated, but like you're giving a wonderful gift to a dog when you adopt. Right. And, and I think that's something that's very important, very special that we can do. So let's say you've you've been uh, convinced that you're going to adopt now um, and you're looking for adoption agencies or rescues to work with. I know you've worked with many, both with our own personal dogs and, and through the doghouse. What are some of the characteristics that people should be looking for in reputable agencies that they're potentially looking to adopt from? I think you can get a good sense of what an organization is like by taking a look at their social media. Do they have not only photos of the dogs, but videos? Do they interact with the dogs? Are the dogs um, in a shelter or are they in foster homes? There's a difference there for sure because the shelter is going to be more stressful, if I'm being really honest. Shelters do their absolute best to provide for dogs with without homes um, and should be applauded for that. But if we can get dogs into more foster families, that makes the transition really easier on them because they're already living in a family style home. Right. Take a look at their vetting process. Would they just let you show up and pick a dog out and go home with it that day? That might be a red flag. Why so many dogs, in my opinion, end up being rehomed and like the worst reputation for a dog to have is to be returned more than once through rescue. It automatically sets a tone for the dog, right? Oh, this is a problem dog. So we can avoid that through making sure the owner and the dog are compatible. If you're just showing up and being like, here's my $200, I want to take this one. That's one, or probably rash and emotional decision. It really is up to the organization to 
do their due diligence to make sure that this is someone who is going to invest in training, feeding and vet visits, who is going to put in the work and and not just come back maybe two days later and be like, nope, changed my mind. Right, right. So when we adopted Thai, it was from another country. It was from, he's from Thailand. And they were shipping a dog to us. So they took it very seriously and wanted to make sure that this dog was going to be in its forever home. So talk about about that process, because I think listeners will be blown away to hear about the extent to which that organization really stepped up to make sure that they were finding the right fit between dog and, and owner. We worked with Soy Dog Foundation, and I had heard great things about them from friends who had actually volunteered there. That made me feel comfortable, right? Knowing, okay, these are, I know people who have had experiences with them. Um, I also know that these are dogs in tough life situations that deserve a second chance. So I had emailed them about a three-legged dog, and they got back to me, and it opened up this whole step-by-step process of, like, really, are you very serious about about this adoption. What was the first step? The first step was filling out a questionnaire, questionnaire. I want to say. Yep. Extensive. Yeah. And it was looking at economic status, yep. what our lifestyle was like, what our household was like. It really looked at us 360. And what behaviors are like non-negotiable for you? What are you willing to work through? What resources do you have in place to help you through training obstacles? And I was like, well... <laughs> I'm a trainer and I own a dog daycare. So, um, so even hearing that though, I was like, oh, they're just going to let me fly by the rest of the stuff. I'm just going to get shipped this dog tomorrow. Nope. Not a chance. It's still, they treated me like anybody else. Then it was a Skype call. Then it was a Skype call. With Thailand. Yes. With, I think the owner or yeah. someone high up. The director of, yeah. And... Then we had a home visit by one of their Canadian volunteers who took photographs of us and our home. That's right. And at the time, we didn't have a fenced-in backyard. And we were like, oh, no. That's usually the kiss of death um, when it comes to adopting a dog. Um, But we were like, we walk the dogs. It's okay. They're never left unattended in a backyard. Again, I was like, it's my profession not to lose dogs for people. Like, I take care of 35 dogs in a day. I'm, this is very serious to me. And there was a contract. Then there was a, contract. oh my gosh, a very long contract in which we had to promise and sign off on. And I even had to do proof of payment for a GPS tracker. Yeah. So Ty had to be wearing a GPS tracker for the first two months he was with us, had to be on two leashes. While the battery was being charged for the GPS tracker, he had to be locked in a room. He was not allowed to be crated all of this list of criteria that we had to agree to. And then we ended up still waiting, I think two months until he was sent to us. That's right. So all in all, I think we started the process in July or August, and then we didn't get him until December of yeah. that same year. And now for a lot of people, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, okay, that's just a little bit extra. That's a little bit excessive. And I, I get it. I understand why you might feel that way, but I think from my perspective, what this shows to me is that this is an organization that cares deeply about their dogs. And so it's the kind of organization that that I want to work with and that I know is doing the right things and treating the dogs really well that are in their care and that care about them. Conversely to Kijiji ads where it's like free to loving home. Like, come on now. Right. That's, that's not cool. 
So, so Tim, talk a little bit about your adoption experience. You know, I'm sure it was very different from what Liz just described with with Ty. But, you know, what were some of the things that that stood out to you? Uh, Jose, originally from Barbados, he was um, found at six weeks old, I think, almost got hit by a car and then brought to Ark Rescue in Barbados. And then from there, I think they have a partnership with Black Dog Rescue in Toronto, which is where we picked him up. Um, we met him with his foster parents. Uh, in a park in Toronto, uh, the West End. And he was very shy in the beginning, but um, we crouched down. He came up and he stood on my leg and he licked me on the nose. I'm like, ah, oh, this is adorable. <laughs> uh, so love at first. Uh, lick. Lick, yeah. Um, but we, we discussed with the the fosters what he was like, what his temperament was like, what he was like daily. Um, they both work full time. They were able to take him to the office. So we understood that he was sociable with other people. They told us about an experience where he wasn't the friendliest with a with a rambunctious nine-year-old and he kind of bared his teeth and growled and we're like oh well that's good to know and we kind of played it off as like well maybe he's just he was shy and maybe he was a bit um timid around that high energy which i totally understand yeah from there um we we communicated with black dog rescue and we um we had a, a couple uh forms to fill out with them just about our our status our relationship where we work things like that so i think it's pretty standard across the board for that kind of contract stuff and we also had someone come from the area to look at our house and i was actually nervous too we um we were concerned about the because i have a lot of plants in our home that i take care of and, and help prosper i'm like what kind of plants are like dogs safe like, <laughs> so we actually ended up um taking all the plants we thought would be difficult and, and would get us um not a good rating with this visitor and we put them in the basement under a tarp and we're like we'll bring them back up later but it was <laughs> adoption deception (laughs) very much so but in hindsight like he doesn't care about plants and they weren't that big of a deal in the first place but um what i do love about rescue organizations that are doing it right is they take into consideration where do you plan on being five ten years from now because they want to make sure you're in it for the long haul like especially in today's world everything is so new iphone new this like get rid of it if it's a year old that's ancient history um we can't be like that with dogs they aren't temporary. They're meant to be for life. And so I don't know if breeders ask those questions because I've never worked with a breeder, but this is something people need to consider when adopting a pet or buying a puppy even is just like the longevity of it. Well, one of the things that I love about both what you said, Liz, and and what you just shared, Tim, is that in both instances, working with an adoption agency allows you to get a much deeper understanding of the dog simply because this person, this this foster or or this organization in, in Ty's case, like Soy Dog or even Marley's Mutts with Baker, has lived with this dog in their lives for several weeks. And so they can speak to the temperament, the behavior, the energy level to find the right match. And, you know, it's not that that breeders don't want to share that information. They just don't have the data points to be able to draw on because the dog's only seven or eight or maybe less seven weeks old, maybe less when it's committed to a family. Yeah. So they just, you, you just don't know who that dog is going to be at, at that age. It's a blank slate. Yeah, absolutely. And then also to that point, um, taking a hard look at your life and deciding where you're going to be five, 10 years from now. Like that's maybe when people get a dog and they purchase it, they don't think that far ahead. They don't have that kind of roadmap in their mind. And you said purchase too. Yeah. Think about the mindset of a breeder versus rescue organization. One is a business. Yep. 
Very much so. Here's Rescue your is not. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there are breeders who might be motivated by dollar signs and that they might be getting rid of dogs earlier, right? Not waiting the eight week mark. Note to people out there, you do want to wait eight weeks to you bring home your Minimum. puppy. Yeah. Minimum. Um, and I've heard of them upselling. You can have your dog at six weeks if you give another wow. $200, which is shady. Like, don't do that. Maybe we should talk about that in a separate podcast. Like, you know, the one about breeders. Yeah. <laughs> um, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So before we change gears here, are there any other characteristics that you could maybe look for in an adoption agency? Thinking back to when we adopted Baker, we had a really unique arrangement with that particular adoption agency. Maybe you could share about that or any other things you could think about to look for. If they have a uh, foster to adopt program, that's a really cool place to start because you can figure out if you are a good match for the dog. What, is, so, what does foster to adopt mean for those who aren't familiar? So it means that you are going to, the, the hope is that you adopt the dog, but in a sense you take it on as I'm just fostering until it finds its home and figuring out if it's a good fit for my family. And if it is, then I'll adopt. So it's like a try before you buy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which is what we did with Baker. We didn't foster him, but I knew the owner and we were, so Marley Smuts is in California, which we were there working, I was working for Caesar Milan and we went to meet uh, Baker at the time he was named Fletcher. He was a puppy and like Jose, a little bit timid. And so we were kind of like, oh, like, I don't know if I'm getting a true sense in, in like spending half an hour with him of who he is. Because he was we, in a foster home with another at least one we, or a Doberman who was six years old and another puppy. Yeah. And I'll never forget Baker wouldn't come close to us and kept running up and barking at us, running away, running up and barking at us, running away. And then he peed on the rug and like all this stuff. And so we were just like, can we just take him for a walk and see what he's like? The guy didn't know where his leash was because he never went on walks with him. So we're like, okay, how do we get to know this dog and who he really is when he hasn't had exercise? He's around another puppy. We pitched it to the foster family and the people through Marley's Mutt's like, what if we took him for a few days and see how he is with us? I think part of it was you said, I'm a Caesar Milan trainer, dog psychology I kind of uh, know Zach Scow a little bit. <laughs> but no, you were like, I'm actually going back to Caesar's um, dog Ranch. psychology center and I could take Baker with me to really get a sense of his being and who he is as a dog. As well as give him a little bit of extra socialization. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that definitely helped. We got to know Baker and he was so friggin' sweet, open-minded and easy to train. And we saw that kind of fearful little chihuahua who was barky and timid of the world come out as this like playful, happy guy who's like, elevator, no big deal. Meeting Caesar's goats, no big deal. And like just... We we're just like this guy's adorable like he's so sweet and then i'll never forget the last night he crawled into my suitcase and was like you better be taking me home and i was just like little buddy it's already in the bag like it's happening and i think i think the important thing here the 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 caesar tie-in piece is is really cool and really nice but for for listeners you know you're not going to have caesar milan's dog psychology center as a as a resource but the idea here is to test out that dog in your lifestyle, in your life, and not feel the pressure or commitment to sign on the dotted line right away, right? So seeing if you can find an adoption agency that would be open to a foster to adopt type arrangement or even just a short-term 
trial trial um, to make sure that it's the right fit. Getting a, a dog, whether it's a rescue or a puppy from a breeder, should never be an emotional decision. It, you really need to be rational about it and, and make sure it makes sense for your life, for your home, for your family, all of that. It has to make sense because it's two beings. It's not just about you. It's also about how is this going to benefit the dog? So I think we've we've talked about the key things we want to talk about. Um, we've talked about the importance of adoption versus, you know, shopping or going to a breeder. We've talked about um, debunking some of the key misconceptions and myths uh, around adoption. And we've also talked about some criteria for what to look for in a rescue and shared some adoption stories along the way. I think we've ticked a lot of boxes here, don't, don't you think? I agree. Any Th- other... Any other closing thoughts um, about adoption from from Tim, our uh, valued guest and producer? I think it was a great experience. I would do it again. You'd do it again. Totally. I mean, we went to Toronto. We live in Guelph. It's not that far, but I think there's there's plenty of communities and plenty of adoption agencies in whatever town you live in. So shop there. real local. That'd be what we do differently. But then again, we wouldn't have Jose. So no, I wouldn't do it differently. <laughs> we don't shop local. We've oh, yeah, got that's true. kids from all over <laughs> yeah. the world. You know what? Like, it's true. All, all joking aside, point. though, I, I do want to touch on that because I want listeners to to recognize you don't need to go abroad to find a great dog and a great adoption agency. So this is going to sound super cheesy and, you know, we might decide to edit this out um, so I don't sound like really cheesy, but <laughs> I really do believe our dogs found us. Oh, that's right? beautiful. I feel like I'm going to cry right Keep now, but like, I'm keeping it in. But I feel like Carmen found us. Yes. Um, I definitely feel like Baker found us because we were there. And I mean, Liz and I still argue about this to this day. I, I found him. I thought I saw him on Facebook and told you about him. I liked him, commented, maybe even tagged you. And then you were like, let's go meet him. Well, let's, we'll tell the story about Baker and the one about Baker. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I know you primarily were, uh, driving the bus, uh, around Ty's Ty. adoption at the time. But, you know, I think he found us at the right time, too. So um, I think just, you know, if you're open to adoption, uh, good things will happen. That just made me want to leave on a, a note from Caesar Milan. You don't get the dog you want. You get the dog you need. Liz, where can people find resources to maybe adopt a dog? Great organizations that I follow would be Marley's Mutts, Black Dog Rescue, Soy Dog Foundation, Kitchener Waterloo Humane Society, Taffy's Legacy. There are so many more and I can't even think of them off the top of my head. Check them out. They're all online. You can just search and look at adorable puppy faces all day and then you're going to want to adopt all million of them. Um, so it's a dangerous road, but <laughs> I encourage you to to support them for sure. If you Listen, here's the thing. If you can't um, adopt, donate. If you can't donate, spread the word. There are just so many ways that we can help dogs find home. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast.